the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church, where we minister in the spirit of excellence under the leadership of our anointed senior pastor, Bukas Sterling III. Please stay tuned at the end of this broadcast for information on how to obtain a copy of today's message in its entirety. And now, Pastor Sterling. I'm going to invite your attention this morning to 2 Samuel chapter 6. We'll begin our reading at verse number 12. The word of the Lord reads as follows. Now was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him. Because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. So it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all of his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through the window and she saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord. She despised him in her heart. So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Then he distributed among all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both women and the men, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisin. So all the people departed, everyone, to his house. This morning I'd like to close series of messages that I began a few weeks ago entitled Just to Be Close to You. We began our journey in Psalm 84, speaking from the subject matter, seeking sanctuary with the Lord of hosts. We moved from there to Mark chapter 5 and dealt with the pleadings of his presence. Last week we were in Psalm 63 dealing with the subject matter, a wilderness desire for God. This morning in these verses, I want to speak to you from the subject matter, restoring the presence of God. Now we know as born again, children of the Lord, students of the word, that God is an omnipresent God. But the presence that I'm referring to is a special Shekinah presence of God. And sometimes when we're going through things and when life is happening, because that's where we get caught up mostly, just the happenings of life, every now and then you get this feeling that something is missing and you miss that special presence of God. 
David is in such a place. David uh, is experiencing victories over his enemies. He's the reigning ruling king over uh, all of Israel. He's set up all the things that are in place. Things are going David's way. And, and if you're sitting in David's seat right about now, you'd be saying, you know, everything's going well. But David recognizes that there's still yet something missing. And that is the very special presence of God. This little box that's three feet, nine inches long and 27 inches deep and 27 inches wide. It has on it a mercy seat with two seraphims facing one another. It's a box that's been made of acacia wood covered with pure gold. And in the middle of these two seraphim that are sitting on top of the little box, there's uh, what's called the very special or Shekinah presence of God. It's where the presence of God showed up and dwelt in the midst of his people. That Ark of the Covenant, we call it, it has been absent from the presence of a tabernacle or a worship center for nearly a hundred years. And David has this yearning to bring back the presence of God to the people of Israel. And so I need to give you a little bit of history as to how Israel lost the ark. The condition of Israel had grown so wicked, so vile that anything was going right about now. And uh, Israel found themselves in the midst of a battle at Apec and they were losing the battle. When they discovered they were losing, what they did was they called for the ark of God to be brought to the battle. They looked at God as an escape, a fire escape, an emergency button, if you will, when they got in trouble. And so they brought uh, the ark of the covenant into the battle and lost the battle. They've lost the ark of the covenant. Uh, the Philistines have taken the ark of the covenant and they've gone on about their business. And the ark of God has not been in this tabernacle for nearly a hundred years when David recognizes that I'm missing the special presence of the Lord and it's time to restore the presence of God, David sends his troops to go get the Ark of the Covenant. And when they go to get the Ark of the Covenant, they decided to carry the presence of the Lord a new way. And what happened in the process of them trying to carry the Ark of the God on a new cart, they hit a bump. But because they weren't carrying the Ark of the Covenant in the right way, uh, what happened when they hit a bump was they decided they were going to uh, assist God and keep God from falling. But I need to tell you something. You can't help God and he ain't never going to fall. Uzzah puts his hand up to catch the cart to, to help the Ark from falling because he thought God was going to fall. But God got angry and he lashed out and he killed Uzzah right on the spot. Uh, King David got afraid and he said, look, we ain't doing this the wrong way. We find some place because we ain't taking this no further because God is angry and I'm a little bit afraid we done done something wrong. And so there's a Levite by the name of Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom welcomes the Ark of the Covenant into his house. And, and that's where we begin in our text this morning where we begin to, to learn about restoring the presence of God. When you begin to restore the presence of God, you ought to understand that there are certain things that happen in his presence. Verse 12 says, now, and it was told to the King David saying, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that, he, that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and he brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. First point I want to point to you here as it relates to restoring the presence of the Lord is that there are blessings in God's presence. Obed-Edom and everything he has is blessed 
because of the presence of the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant represents the special presence of God. And I know what you're saying. You're saying, Pastor, wait a minute. I recall a time when the Ark of the Covenant went to the Philistines and the Philistines weren't blessed. No, but well, let me help you understand something. There's two things that happen in the presence of the Lord. If your heart is right and you receive the special presence of God with reverence and respect, then blessings flow. But if you receive him as just another God amongst your gods, then the curses begin to flow. And so what the Philistines did was they brought the Ark of the Covenant in and they put it in a room with their God, Dagon. See, because what they thought was that they could include Jehovah God with Dagon and everything would be all right. But when they came back in the morning, what they found out is that Dagon had began to worship the Lord of hosts. Dagon was a God they made with their hands. And now when they came back, what they found out was that their wooden God was worshiping the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the king of kings. Dagon had bowed down and was worshiping the special presence of God. Dagon had more sense than some of us. Bible says they put Dagon back up on the pedestal and left out and came back again but this time when they came back Dagon had fallen down before the Shekinah presence of God he was worshiping God y'all might say pastor how can a wooden statue worship God I don't know but let me use my imagination just a little bit what had happened was when the Shekinah presence showed up Dagon jumped off of his pedestal and he fell down before the Lord and because he reverenced the king of kings so much he Here is a wooden statue trying to wave his hands to the king of kings. But because his hands couldn't move, they were made out of wood. His hands broke off. His arms broke off. And Dagon, being a false god, had enough sense to bow his knees because the Bible says every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. But in the process of him bowing his knees, the Bible says when they came in, his legs had broke off. And he was laying face down, facing the Shekinah presence of God because they had put him in with God instead of them getting blessed they got cursed but Obed-Edom invited the presence of God in and because his heart was right before God because he welcomed God in with reverence and respect his presence began to bless the whole house of Obed-Edom now watch this it wasn't just Obed-Edom that got blessed it was his whole household it's right there in the text it says Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him was blessed because he invited the special presence of God into his home. Second thing in the text, verse number 13, it says, and so it was uh, when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. There are two sacrifices that you're going to see in this text. The first sacrifice happens here in verse number 13, and that is they go six paces. And David says, hold up. Because see, now David has come back to retrieve the Ark of the Covenant, and this time they're doing it the right way. They've got the poles, they've got the priests, and they're carrying the Ark the way it's supposed to be carried. But when they get to their sixth step, just before they make that step of perfection, he says, stop right there. i got a sacrifice to the Lord. And so he offers up the ox and he offers up the sheep to God. This sacrifice is for forgiveness, for mishandling what was holy. See, some of us can't get to where we're trying to go. We can't get that step of perfection in because we have not asked forgiveness for what we've already done. You can't just keep acting a fool and think God's going to start pouring blessings out in your life. 
And so you need to stop, pause, and sacrifice and give uh, at least a word to the Lord that says, Lord, forgive me for what I've done. Now, the good news for us is that Jesus has already paid the price. He's already been the sacrifice in our place. And so the least we ought to do is be able to approach his throne and ask forgiveness for what we've already done before we move further on this journey. Are y'all hearing me? And so there's the first sacrifice. Now look with me at verse 17. It says, and so they brought the ark of the, the Lord and they set it in his place. And in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it, then David offered more sacrifice, burnt offerings and peace offerings. So now you get the first sacrifice was for forgiveness, but this sacrifice is for thanksgiving. After David and the children of Israel are able to bring the ark all the way to the tabernacle that David has built for it, then David says, we need to now give God thanks for the means by which and the provisions by which he has allowed us to bring his special presence to this place. I don't know how long you haven't experienced his presence, but when it shows up, you ought to have an attitude to say, thank you for bringing your presence back into my life. The third thing, look at verse 14 with me. Then David danced before the Lord with all of his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. And so David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. There's not only blessings and sacrifices, but there's also celebrating in God's presence. In the presence of God, when we're restoring his presence as it should be, uh, the restoration of God's presence ought to promote celebration. It's been a hundred years since the presence of God has been in a tabernacle where they can go in and worship it. It ought to promote celebration. When you've been out there wandering around, when you've been doing your own thing, when you've been out there backsliding and, and, and you invite the special presence of the Lord back into your heart, when God captures you and raptures you and catches you up and his special presence shows up, it ought to promote, it ought to provoke special celebration in his presence. Now look at, look at David, look at David. David starts celebrating in the presence of God. I need to pause right here for a moment. Hold on. There's something strange in this text. Y'all didn't see it, but I saw it. The text says that David was wearing a linen ephod. Come on here. What's, what's the purpose, pastor? Come on, point it out. Well, a linen ephod is the garment of a priest. David is a king. Why is the king wearing a priestly garment? The last time I remember a king doing something that a priest was supposed to do, God chastised him. But watch this. What David is doing, one, is he's pre-shadowing or foreshadowing the Christ that is to come. Because when Christ comes to restore the special presence of God that we only had in the Garden of Eden, guess what? Christ is also king and priest. He comes as king of kings, lord of lords. But at the same time, my Bible says he offered his own self as a sacrifice. He went in behind the Holy of Holies and sprinkled his own blood on the altar of the Lord. And he offered himself as a sacrifice. He was, watch this, the sacrifice, the sacrificer, and the king. So David is, in essence, foreshadowing, showing us the, the role that the Christ that is to come is going to play when the special presence of God is restored to the people of God. Secondly, I believe what we see here about David wearing his linen ephod is that David is not ashamed to let 
even the people of Israel know that above my role as king, I'm also priest. Watch this. Before I was anointed king, as a man, I had a priestly responsibility. David wasn't ashamed to be king and priest. In other words, for y'all folks that have reached a certain level in life that y'all don't want nobody to know y'all saved, David wasn't ashamed to be in his office and read his Bible. He put on the the priestly robe, the the royal, uh, the priestly robe to, to identify to the people that I have a personal relationship, a priestly relationship of my home and I have a priestly responsibility and God means more to me than the position. Because see what happens to us, a lot of us, we get caught up in our position and then your position supersedes your relationship with Christ. And then you don't want nobody to know your relationship with Christ. And then you just, just reverend doctor or you just happen to be, you know, the executive vice or you just happen to be CEO or whatever you are. And you don't want nobody to know that you've got a relationship with God. David is not ashamed to let all of Israel know that I'm priest. So he wears the linen ephod and he's dancing before the Lord. Verse number 14, I believe it is. He says, he danced before the Lord with all of his might. Verse 15 says, and they were shouting. The people were shouting and their shouts were shouts of triumph. Their shouts were shouts of victory. They were shouting before the Lord and they were celebrating before the Lord. And the Bible goes on to say that there was music and there was singing and the Levites had come together and, and the musicians that were skilled had come together and they were all celebrating before the Lord. Now, why are they celebrating like that? Because the special presence of the Lord was there. Fourthly, Verse 16 picks up and says, And now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, Saul's daughter, which is also David's wife, looked through the window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. I need to throw out a warning to you. Everybody is not going to be happy because the special presence of God is returned to your life. Mikal looks out the window and all she saw was King David. Look at it. It says he's out there. He's dancing with all his might. He's dancing and shouting, whirling. And she looked out, verse 16. Mikal looked through the window and saw King David. Wait a minute. The special presence of the Lord has just been returned. The special presence of God is in the midst of his people. And she looks out the window and all she can see is the man. When the special presence of God shows up in your life, when it's returned to your life, when it's restored to its proper place, there's some folk that all they're going to see is the man. And they're going to start reminding you, I know how you acted. I know how you used to be. They miss the special presence of God. How can you miss the presence of God that's been missing for a hundred years? How can you not be excited about the presence of God being restored to somebody's life? How can you, as a child of God, be upset because your brother or your sister who once was backslidden has now returned and they're getting their life together? How can you look at them with despisement in your heart? But yet, I'm telling you, I'm warning you this morning, everybody's not going to be happy with the fact that you get your life back together. She only sees David, the king. She only sees the man. She, she's upset because he's dancing. And celebrating before the presence of the Lord. 
Now see, some folks are going to despise your shout. Some folks are going to despise you waving your hands. Some people are going to despise your dance when you get up and dance before the Lord for what he's done in your life when his special presence hits you in the midst of the worship service and you can't help yourself and you just get up and shout glory. Some people are going to despise you for that and they're going to hold it against you. But David wasn't concerned. David kept dancing. David kept whirling. David kept celebrating because God had done something special, allowing him to restore the Ark of the Covenant to a tabernacle. Look over with me at verse number 20. David had gone, he had blessed the other folk, and then he goes back to his own house, and Michal, the daughter of Saul, uh, came out to meet David and said, oh, how glorious you were, king, today uncovering yourself in front of everybody, dancing and acting a fool out in the street. I'm paraphrasing now. You the king. You're supposed to keep on your kingly robe. Don't you dare remove your kingly robe and expose the fact that you've got an ephod underneath. You're dancing and celebrating like somebody that didn't have no sense. I like David's response. Look, Look at verse 21. So David said to Michal, it was before the Lord. Woman, I was dancing for the glory of God. I was dancing in front of my Savior. I was dancing and celebrating in God's face. You got the nerve to come meet me outside the house and get up in my face. I am the king, by the way. I am the priest of this house, by the way. You got the audacity to get in my face? And watch what he said. I like this. This is funny to me. And and he said, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me instead of your daddy. He hits her pretty hard with that one. He says, and he appointed me. As ruler over the people of Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord. I'm going to get even more indignant, undignified in front of my God. I'm going to get to the place where I've humbled myself before him. And if it takes me running around the church, if it takes me crying, if it takes me shouting, if it takes me dancing and whirling out of my clothes, I'm going to do it before my Lord. I'm not concerned about you because your presence can't help me. And all you're doing is hating. All you're doing is despising me. I can't handle that. I need the presence of God. I need his special presence. So you got to be aware you're going to have some folk that's going to despise you. They're not going to relate to what's going on in your life. And last but not least, there is the distributing of provisions in God's presence. Look with me at verse number 19. Then he distributed among all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both to women and to men, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. So all the people departed, everyone to his house. Now, first of all, I said there are blessings, but now also the provisions, because Philippians 4.19 says, my God is the supplier of all of my needs. All of my provisions, everything I have need of, my God is the one that will supply. And so we got an understanding that God is the one that distributes everything we have need of when we're in his special presence. I like the way God does because he gives so much that your cup just runs over. And he gives so much that you'll have to give to somebody else. He'll give you so much that you'll be looking around and you're saying, you know what, in a way I'm kind of tired of being blessed like this. I'm kind of tired of getting so much. I don't even know what to do with all the blessings that come my way because my God keeps on making a way. He keeps on blessing me. He keeps on providing. 
When you get into the special presence of the Lord and he begins to distribute the provisions that you need, your soul will be satisfied. You'll go home in peace. You'll go home and know that everything is all right, even though it don't look like it's all right. I know it's all right because I've been in the special presence of God. Praise the Lord. You've been listening to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church under the leadership of Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III where we minister in the spirit of excellence. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Financial contributions in support of this ministry are welcome. We thank you in advance for uniting with us in kingdom building. For a copy of this sermon on CD or to hear this message again on the web, please visit our website at KetteringMinistries.org and remember to reference the title or broadcast date. We hope that you have enjoyed our journey together and we invite you to join us for one of our spirit-filled worship services Sundays at 8 a.m. or 11 a.m. at our new edifice called the Legacy Center located at 6909 Crane Highway, Upper Marlboro, Maryland. For additional information, go to our website at KetteringMinistries.org or contact our church office at 301-574-3515 Please join us again as Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III and the Kettering Baptist Church family minister in the spirit of excellence. This is Albert Mogra for townhall.com. An important case before the Supreme Court this week points back to 2015. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.